Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. I just want to say thank you to Gary for leading us in worship this morning and also just to completely agree with what Lindsay said earlier on. It's just such a privilege to spend time with you this morning and uh, I know for some of you, you're in your own home and therefore we are coming into your own home and we're sharing some things that uh, God has laid in our heart to share. So I hope you've enjoyed the worship time already and I hope you'll enjoy these next few minutes together as well. Um, We are still on the theme of health matters here at New Life and uh, this morning I want to just uh, pose two questions and answer one of them if that makes sense. I hope it will. And the two questions are these, two questions that I came across just in the last few days. First question is this, if Jesus planted a church today, what would it look like? Just think about that for a moment. If Jesus planted a church today, what would it look like? You know, my heart goes out to pastors and leaders of churches in these days because we are gradually, it seems, coming out of lockdown, and that includes churches and church buildings and all that goes with it, and uh, they've got big decisions to make as to, you know, what's the church going to look like? And I've no doubt whatsoever that people are giving their opinions as to what church looks like. But maybe over and above all that, we should be asking that question. If Jesus planted a church today, what would it look like? Well, one thing for sure is that it would be perfect until I turned up. But what would it look like? Well, I'm not going to answer that question. That's the one question I'm not going to answer this morning. I'll let you do that for yourself. But the second one I'm going to attempt to answer, and it was this one that I came across It says this, that if this was your last sermon, what would you say? Now, I'll let you into a little bit of a secret that uh, preachers going through colleges and uh, seminaries and all of that kind of stuff, um, they would be taught, as I was, that every sermon should be preached as if it was your last sermon. Well, it might be, and maybe some of you are praying for that this morning, that that will be the case. But whatever the question is, if this was my last sermon, what would I say? And as I I thought that one through this past week or so, um, two words came to mind, and I'm going to share those with you in a moment or two. But first of all, I want to put the context to it by reading uh, another psalm uh, this morning, and it's Psalm 84. And so let's just read those uh, few verses together, because they're really incredibly powerful. We don't actually know who wrote the psalm. Uh, Some have Uh, proffered the idea that it was David, but it doesn't seem as if it was him. So whoever wrote it uh, has got some really, really significant things to say. So Psalm 84, let me read it with you. I'm reading in the New International Version. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. 
Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God, the writer says finally, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Amen. If this was your last sermon, what would you say? Notice that I didn't say, or the question didn't say, what would you do? That's a different question altogether. But what would I say if this happened to be my last sermon? Well, I've already indicated that two words came to mind uh, very forcibly when I started to ask myself that very striking question. The two words were these, presence and power. Um, The psalm highlights both of those in incredible ways. Context of it, of course, is that uh, in those days it would be temple worship people were going to. They would go to meet with God in the temple. And so when they talk about the house of the Lord, that's what they would be talking about there. And we know now that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We are the church, as it were. It's not the building anymore that makes up the church. It's the people of God. So we understand that, but the psalmist was writing from a place of temple worship. And so it says right at the beginning, how lovely is your dwelling place. In other words, there was something beautiful for the psalmist in actually being in the temple. Because on even further and passionately by saying, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow, you know, he, he's talking about not just people coming into a temple, but he's even going into nature. Because even the sparrow has found a home, the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near the altar. He's, he's been incredibly practical here by saying there is something significant about the house of God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather be somebody that's standing at the front door and saying welcome to people as they come to the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Church is not the building and we are the church. We know that Uh, and that's been very forcibly drawn to our attention over this past uh, 15 to 18 months when we haven't actually all been able to get into a church building and it's it's you know it's come to us over and over again either because people have told us or we've read it or we've thought it through ourselves that church is not the building we are the church but there is i've got to tell you this i'm going to nail my colors to the mast because it might be my last sermon uh, that actually there's something very significant about the house of god about the place of coming together a number of years ago, a good friend of mine, brought up in the Catholic faith, was a, an altar boy, and uh, grew up and grew away from God, as it were, and certainly grew away from anything religious. 
And so um, his wife said to him one day, why don't we go to that new church literally down the bottom of our road? And his response was, not a chance. There is no possibility I'm going to go to that church, as it's called, as it meets in a school. There's no possibility God could be there. God has to be in a building that's got uh, candles, it's got a, a light on, and when the light is on in the church, then we know that God is in the church. So there's no possibility of me going to that place down the road, that school. But his wife persisted and uh, kept on him and on him, and as some people do. And so eventually he gave in and he said, okay, so we're not going anywhere anyway. We're not going to another church anyway, so let's give it a try. Well, what made it slightly worse was that they turned up virtually on the time of the service just about to start, probably just after it started. And so because it was a school and it happened to be a primary school, all the big seats were taken. And so there's the wee seats that were left. <laughs> so not only was he coming to a building that he knew in himself that God was not there, and there was no candle on, there was no light on, so God couldn't be in the house. It was in a school, it wasn't in a proper building as far as he was concerned, but actually he had to sit on the smallest seats, the P1 and P2 seats, just humiliating altogether. And so he got there and he sat down reluctantly at the back in this small seat in this school. And he says, God was in that place. As soon as the worship team struck a, a note, he said, I knew that God was in that place. It, it, it's a true story. It's a remarkable story in some sense. He went on to do an Alpha course, went on to become a Christian, uh, and actually now he is uh, a part, comes along to new life here in Prestwick. It's an amazing story altogether. So we understand that God is not simply in the temples, as it were, and in the nicely ornately constructed buildings. So God can be everywhere as he is. But sometimes when we're in a place where we're meeting with other Christians, other people who are there to worship God, we get that awesome sense of the presence of God. Let me tell you another story. The pastor of the church doesn't even know this story. It's only my wife and I that know this one. And in one sense, we're kind of waiting for the right time to tell this story, and I want to tell it today because it fits with the topic. We've been at this church now for probably about, what, 18 months or so, a year past October, we came here. And uh, previous to that time, uh, I had, uh, well, what I would describe, I know I'm a man and I, I probably complain more than other people do, um, but uh, I had a really sore hip incredibly sore. I'd been to the doctor. doctor recognized that, yes, there was a, some degeneration there in the hip. Sent me to the hospital uh, for an x-ray. The uh, orthopedic guys looked at it and said, yeah, you've definitely got a, a problem there with it. And it is getting worse. We've no doubt about that whatsoever. But it's not quite at the stage of needing an operation. But uh, you're going to have to just live with it, as it were. And it was so painful. I mean, painful to sit down, painful to stand up, painful to walk, painful to drive the car. It really wasn't funny at all for me. And um, anyway, that was there, and I just had to live with it until a time when it maybe got worse too bad and I had to do something about it. I've got to tell you that 
the moment I walked in to this particular house of God, that pain disappeared. And to this day, I can stand and testify that it had to be God. <laughs> there was no other thing that happened. God touched me. Now, you can rightly say, well, surely God could have done that some other time or some other place. Absolutely. Would 100% agree with that. But God chose to use the experience of walking into this house of God to touch and heal me completely. It's now 18 months or so since that occasion, so it's not just a quick fix and it's going to come back again. It's gone. And I'm believing that it's gone. And God did that for Sheena and myself. It was incredibly significant because we knew we were in the place of God's favor. It's where God wanted us to be. And we look back in that and we talk about it and we smile to ourselves about it because it was real, absolutely real. So I'm saying to you today that yes, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we are people that have got the presence of God with us. Absolutely, everywhere we go, absolutely. But I have to also say to you, there is something significant about the house of God. Where God's presence is, things happen. And the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, don't give up meeting together. And I have no idea about your situation at home or wherever you are. And, and for 18 months it's been torturous because you've been in your house and having to watch online and all that kind of stuff. And maybe even some of you have, have given up and you're, you're thinking, well, I'm not, I'm not going to go back there. I prefer to have my slippers on and my mug of coffee and can watch it at my leisure. Can I say to you, don't give up on coming together with your fellow believers because when we're in the house of God together, something happens. It happened with the psalmist. His spirit was lifted as he was in that place. And he recognized that God was in the house. The word presence in Hebrew is the word panim. It's translated face. In other words, to have the presence of God with us is to have a close and a personal encounter with the Lord. That's what it means to have the presence of God. The word jumped at me when I started to prepare for this morning's sermon. That whatever I'm going to say now or in the future, this was one of the words that I believe God wanted me to share with you this morning. It was the word presence, to know his presence. Noel Richard, some of you will remember that name as a songwriter, says this, to be in your presence, to sit at your feet where your love surrounds me and makes me complete. This is my desire, O Lord. This is my desire, to rest in your presence, not rushing away to cherish each moment. Here I would stay. This is my desire, O Lord. This is my desire. It was the psalmist's desire to be in the house of the Lord, to, to, to know God's presence, to sense his presence, and ultimately his power as well. I wonder if it's your desire and my desire to be in God's presence all the time. Well, I've hinted that the second word is not presence, but it's power. 
I believe the psalmist was talking about it all the way through. Verse 5, he talks about blessed are those whose strength is in you. It's in God's strength that we live and move and have our being. They go from strength to strength. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. It's in God's power that we trust and that we move forward and are able to live and breathe. It's in him. He has the power to do those things. Interesting that three times the psalmist says in the psalm, Lord Almighty. Twice he says, Lord God Almighty. And once he says, my King and my God. It was a personal encounter he had with God. He knew God, not only as the Almighty God, but he knew him as his King and his God as well. What an awesome respect he had for God. And he knew God's power. That's why I was able to talk about it in his psalm. For you and I today, there is power. We know it. There is power in the name of Jesus. Power to transform lives. Maybe you're in that situation. Lindsay mentioned it earlier on beautifully. Maybe you're in that situation where you don't know Jesus. Oh, you know about him, you've heard about him, but you actually don't know him. Well, he's got the power within him to transform your life, to change your life, and to make you into that person that he longs for you to be, and maybe you do as well. He won't force it on you. He's waiting for you to ask him to come into your life, to transform your life. That's the power that Jesus has to take somebody who is against God to being in a place of being for God. Somebody who's in that place of of darkness and bring them into light. That's who God is. He's got the power to do that. Because the God of the Bible that we've been reading about is, is our God and he's the same yesterday, today and forever. That's who he is the beginning of the church in in Acts, it says there about the the disciples, these people that were told to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. They were told to wait, receive, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit wants to touch us by his power to a point where we are in submission, as Gary was leading us in that worship song about surrendering all. I surrender all to him. Because he'll take us and do things with us that we never thought possible. And the history of revival in Scotland. Some of you would be disappointed if I didn't use that word in a sermon. The history of revival in Scotland is a history of the Holy Ghost power. Hmm. I don't know about you, but I long to see it again. To see God's power being demonstrated in our nation. And who knows, it's maybe going to start with you saying, God, would you come and transform me? I've tried everything else. Would you come and fill me with your power? Take me from this place to a place where you want me to be. I'm going to finish by quoting another ancient song in some sense, ancient for some people. But it's wonderful, the the sentiment behind the whole song. But I just want to read one verse for it. Simply says this. Be still, 
for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. This place, translate to your house, wherever you are just now. God's power is moving there. Would you just welcome him and welcome his power? Be still, for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. He comes to cleanse and heal to minister his grace. No work too hard for him. In faith, receive from him. Be still, for the power of the Lord is moving in this place. I believe that's true right now. And whatever you're watching and listening, I believe it's true. He's moving in this place. The presence of God, this is my desire. Is it yours? The power of God moving in this place. Are you welcoming the moving of the power of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in your place, but in your life, even more so. Pray that you will have received what I believe God has laid in my heart, and you'll take it for yourself and do with it whatever you believe is the right thing to do. And if you want to speak to somebody, if you want to get in touch with the church here at New Life, that would be wonderful, and somebody will respond to you and uh, be in touch and arrange some kind of communication with you that would be suitable to you. We don't want you to do nothing after hearing what God has had to say. Do something about it. and Receive all that God wants to bring you, all of God to all of you, to change you, to transform you, to give you life in all its fullness is what Jesus described it as. Well, I'm going to pray just now, and uh, Gary's going to lead us, I think, in our, maybe our final song after that. Let's pray together just now. Father, thank you. Thank you for the amazing situation that we can find ourselves in, that we can actually be in the presence of Almighty God. Lord God Almighty, the one who created the universe, the one who sustains the universe, actually wants a relationship with us, a personal face-to-face -face encounter with us. We bless you that that's even possible. And we pray, Father, that from today, we will be those people who desire to be in your presence. But also those people who desire and long for the power of God to move in our lives, in our circumstances, in our families, in our communities, in our nation. Would we desire it? Would we long for it? Would we see it happening, we pray, as we offer you our morning worship in the wonderful, the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.